0: Welcome to Venture in the South. I'm David, and today we're doing part two of our series on the next Venture Summit winners. They they selected 10 startup companies out of 90 who presented uh, to present at the actual summit meeting. And uh, I did the first show on the first five, and then this is the second show on the other five. So I hope you enjoy. First off, we have Eric Murray, the CEO of ProAxion. ProAxion offers an IoT solution for downtime prevention for legacy rotating equipment. So welcome, Eric.
1: Well, thank you very much for having me. Tell us what the
0: problem is that ProAxion is
1: solving. David, that's a great question because when we first started, we thought the problem was unscheduled downtime of manufacturing facilities. And that still is a $50 billion a year problem for North American manufacturers. What we've seen recently, because of supply chain issues and scarcity of parts and replacement equipment, is that the problem is actually expanding and we're helping customers make repair versus replace decisions based on uh, the health of their equipment as well.
0: Oh, that's interesting. So, I would ex- I would expect that downtime for some of these large manufacturers is a very expensive thing.
1: On a per minute basis, it's in the thousands of dollars. So, absolutely, uh, a key impact on profitability for North American manufacturers. Okay, so how does this solution work for your customers? Well, the um, the technical capability of our solution is to read vibration of equipment, and each piece of equipment gives off a vibration signature. Our combination of sensors and communications equipment, which is part of our solution made here in the United States, is linked through the cloud to monitor this equipment in much the same way you could get an EKG at the doctor's office. And In most cases, you get a relatively healthy signal. When you have something that's an anomaly, that's picked up in the cloud, and we push that notification to the customer so they can act in the early stages of degradation. Okay, so they get a history, but the thing
0: they're really interested in is a notification, and then the history may be relevant in in relation to that notification.
1: That's true. We can do more than just give them a notification, right? the The first step is to raise your hand and say you have a potential problem. The other part of our solution, where a lot of our analytics and and machine learning comes into play, is to give diagnosis on the diagnosis of the root cause as well. So directionally, you can help the maintenance team understand not just if, but what the problem is, so they can plan accordingly.
0: Okay. So, what is the market for this? Product and service. I guess you really have two things. You have hardware, and you also have a uh, service.
1: That's correct. It's a cloud-based or a SaaS um, business model on the technical support, and really we're combining our our cloud solution set, our um, uh, specific sensors, and domain experts to help customers through this. It's a significant market. There's over four hundred eighty thousand manufacturing facilities in the U.S. and Right now, we're serving uh, machinery in over 280,000 of those. So the market's significant. To put it in dollar perspective, it's a, the predictive maintenance analytics market's about a $6.7 billion market globally. And, and we're focused right now in North America and, and have plans to expand. So what kind of traction and evidence of product market fit have you achieved? That's a great question. We focused initially on a couple of uh, partners of ours that are customers. We now have 130 plants using ProAxion. The best indication that we've got that we've got a, a successful solution is we're getting repeat orders from customers that have... Bought us at least once. We have two national contracts with Tier One manufacturers, Certainteed and Cargill, and we've we've got growing interest from a number of other logos. So we're well on the way to commercializing successfully and solving customer problems.
0: Okay, tell us why now, twenty twenty two is the right time for this solution.
1: Well, there are a number of reasons that that go above and beyond the. The industry state of cloud computing and IoT. Those are fundamental uh, capabilities that we leverage in delivering our solution set. But we see right now a significant move to onshore manufacturing back to North America. We see a, a major maintenance brain drain, the talented people that have tactile experience to work with machinery that grew up with the shop in. Uh, school that that fixed their car in their driveway, they're all starting to retire. And they're being replaced with bright people with strong analytics and computer skills, but don't have the same tactile experience. And so, you know, we we see those trends going at the same time as increased global uh, production competitiveness and supply chain shortages, uh, making it more important than ever to give the maintenance organization time so that they can plan effectively to solve some of these problems. So we have a lot of trends uh, that are that are wind at our back, so to speak.
0: Yeah, that does sound timely. So tell us about your fundraising history and what what you're looking forward to in terms of fundraising.
1: Well, right now we're not raising funds. We we plan next summer to start uh, Series A. We've had a couple of uh, um, uh, strong supporters financially that have helped us with two seed, small seed rounds. What's great about our company is we've done a significant amount of uh, work with a very modest investment today. We're now growing out our commercial team and we'll be in a great position next summer to start uh, raising for our Series A with some pretty strong customer validation and solution set, uh, already in place.
0: Well, that's uh, music to the ears of investors, capital efficient business with strong growth. So thank you, Eric, for sharing your story and I wish you the best. Thank you so much for having me. Venture in the South is brought to you by the rolling South fund, a rolling fund focused on Southern startups. The fund allows quarterly investment with a minimum of just $5,000. For more information, go to rollingsouth.vc. Next up is Scopestack with John Scott. As CEO, he offers a better way to scope IT services. So welcome, John. Hey, David. Thanks for having me. All right. So tell us what the problem is that Scopestack is solving. Yeah, the problem we're solving is all around the
2: experience of scoping and pricing IT services. So a lot of our clients use spreadsheets and word
0: templates today. We combine that into one platform. I see, and so um, how does this work? How just walk us through how what a customer experience is like.
2: Yes, our customer experience is a combination of taking all their pricing mechanisms and their spreadsheets and some of their current statements of work and combining those and building those into our platform, so that when they click generate, it automatically generates a statement of work and the associated services pricing.
0: Okay, so so what kind of IT services typically are you? are you offering? I guess you're bundling them.
2: Yeah. Well, so it's, it's really a wide uh, collection of it services that our customers are scoping out. Right. And so the the organizations I used to work for were solutions providers or VARs, or MSPs. Um, so it could be a, a number of different things, quite honestly.
0: Okay. And tell us about your market in terms of how big the market is and where your product and service fits in that market. Yeah. I mean, the last numbers we saw are roughly around 250,000
2: of these MSPs globally. And that number just continues to grow as, you know, smaller organizations are created. And and we have clients from here to Australia, you know, and so it, this problem exists
0: everywhere. Okay. And so where do you fit in that landscape? Are you like a less than half a percent of the market? Do you do you have some market share? What Where are you?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think we're definitely one of the, the leading
0: solutions,
2: um, in the IT channel space, just with the problem that we're solving, mainly because we're so focused on what we do, right? We're not trying to compete with product CPQs and other proposal automation. We're solving a very, very specific problem. And so for that, I'd say, yeah, we're, we're definitely one of the leaders, um, but there's always room to grow, right?
0: Yeah. Well, of course, I hope so. Yeah. So tell, tell us a little bit about what kind of traction you've had and and what evidence you have for product market fit.
2: Yeah. So our, our evidence and, and the traction piece there, so we're over about 2,000 users um, on the platform across 80-something clients, I think, last time I looked. And so this is, a, this is a problem that we're solving for very large organizations all the way down to small organizations. And um, you know we're hitting some good milestones and continuing to grow the business 100 and 150% year over year. And so there's, there's definitely something good
0: happening. Okay. So those customers are businesses. They're not individuals.
2: Correct. Yeah, we're working with. We are a B two B SaaS platform, so we're selling okay. to other organizations.
0: And what's what would you say the average sizes of the business that you have in the platform?
2: I oh mean, it's hard because again, we have organizations that we support that are eighteen you know billion dollars in revenue, down to organizations that are a couple million dollars um, in terms of their revenue. Really, our ICP is anywhere between that twenty million dollar range of size of a business. Um, And so, again, it's a wide array, but that's our middle market.
0: So explain to our listeners why now is the right time for this solution.
2: Yeah, now is the right time because we are now building a platform that's purpose-built for our industry and that can start integrating with all the other tools that you're bringing into your business. So your CRM and your PSA tools, um, we sit there and we bridge a, a very critical gap in that sales process. Okay, and that didn't exist before. It didn't. It's spreadsheets and word templates, right? And so yeah. there's there's literally this huge gap in between the CRM and, and engineers doing the work. So we're solving a, a very painful problem,
0: and that's for sure. Okay. And tell us about what kind of fundraising you've done in the past and, and what you're looking forward to in the future.
2: Yeah. So um, we have partnered with SCRA pretty much from beginning to end through grant money and through some other investments. And so they've been a great partner for us. Outside of that, we have not um, taken on any other institutional uh, funding. Um, not to say we wouldn't, but that's just what we we haven't done that yet. And so we've, we've been very capital efficient with the amount of money that we put into it.
0: So you've bootstrapped?
2: Yeah, pretty much. I mean, outside of the SCRA investments. And um, again, those, those are healthy and, and great numbers, but um, yeah, not massive amounts of money that we're pouring into it yet. So I, I can't imagine what we can do if we did.
0: Okay. Are you looking towards raising money in the
2: future? Yeah, I mean, that's a that's a conversation we have every month, right? Is okay. Well, if we were to go raise money, we don't want to just raise it just to raise it. We want to be smart about it. We want to use it well. And um, we also don't want to have a mass evaluation just to have a mass evaluation at the same time. And so yeah, absolutely.
0: Okay, so no firm plans right
2: now with a with a date in mind. Uh, no, uh, no exact dates, but uh, I'm sure, as you know, that's always a moving target, right? And and we want to see how we finish the year and then we can kind of, you
0: know, firm up our plan going into next year. Okay. So maybe you have a better idea the first part of 23. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Very good. Well, thank you, John. And I wish you the best. David, thanks, man. Finally, we have Andrew Asher, the CEO of Lucid Drone Tech. They do safer, faster, and smarter cleaning with drones. So welcome, Andrew.
3: Hey, thanks for having me. All
0: right, tell us about uh, the big problem that you guys are solving.
3: Yeah, the biggest problem we're solving is the fact that people don't want to do dull, dirty, or dangerous jobs anymore. So when you look at these historically dirty, dangerous jobs like cleaning, most cleaning companies can't find people willing to do the work or retain those people. So with our drone, we allow these companies to essentially do more jobs and less time with less liability and really act as a way by which they can improve their workforce's capacity without needing to hire more people, but instead integrating safer and more efficient technology.
0: Okay. So just describe to our listeners how it works and and how your customers take advantage of your service.
3: Sure. So in the broader strokes, we built a drone that can clean buildings, anything from washing windows to roofs and nearly every surface in between. Rather than getting workers up on lifts, flatters, scaffolds, our technology allows them to stay firmly planted on the ground and operate the drone, which then uses low pressure and cleaning solutions to clean the surface that matters to these companies. And we work as a technology provider so we ourselves don't do the cleaning. Our whole focus is helping these companies do more jobs in less time with less liability by giving them the shiniest tool in their toolkit.
0: So your customer is the cleaning company, not the building owner.
3: Correct. We have had some building owners and property managers come directly to us to self-perform, but more often than not, it's the cleaning company.
0: Okay. So that's interesting. Uh, and so tell us about the market. like. How big is this market? How much do you have? And how much can you get?
3: Yeah. So it, to zoom out on the market opportunity in commercial real estate, it's worth over $33 trillion globally. What anybody in the property space will tell you is you need to clean it and maintain it to retain value. So there's a massive market here. But I would also say it's an even bigger market than just that. What we focused on as a company is building this modular universal robotic platform that we can put different payloads on like a cleaning apparatus but we've also done proof of concepts with painting agriculture delivery and a whole host of other multi-billion dollar markets as well so I would
0: I would guess and you know what do I know I'm an amateur at this I would guess that you you have a flight program that you have to set up for a particular building that's customized to that building but then after that it's just the same program.
3: Yeah, so that's how it will eventually work. Today, we've allowed our drones to fly in these difficult urban environments with basic manual input. Uh, They're so easy to fly, we've actually taught my 85-year-old grandmother how to do it. But the long-run goal here is to make these fully autonomous so you can map out a building profile once, and then it would perform the same exact flight every week, month, year, whatever the interval happens to be.
0: And this is mainly cleaning at altitude, right? I mean, roofs, of uh, vertical walls and things like that, that would require a person to be suspended or up at a
3: height. Exactly. And despite what people may think, it's actually the the shorter buildings, let's call it the two to four story range where somebody might pull out a ladder that we've got the biggest safety savings, because unfortunately, that's where most accidents tend to happen. And most deaths tend to happen when you get up on a ladder.
0: Yeah, that is dangerous. Okay, so tell us about what kind of uh, product market fit you've achieved and what sort of metrics you have to support that.
3: Yeah, so for us, I always look to the customers and what success will the customers have with a product as the truest measure of product market fit. And to maybe speak to a couple examples, we've had customers in the course of a single day make five figures with our drone. So, it's a really high ROI product for them. As an example, we had a customer recently clean a stadium dome in less than a week, and they made about $49,500 doing that work. Prior to last week, we had customers in 22 states and counting. And then just last week, we launched a national partnership with Sunbelt Rentals, which is a large multi billion dollar equipment rental company with over a thousand locations across the country.
0: Okay, this would seem like the sort of thing that once you have it, you don't want to give it up. So, kind of sticky. What, what's your churn rate?
3: Yeah. So, for us, um, we've been able to keep most of the customers we have because we become a really important part of their operations. Again, we're a revenue generating tool. We're not some incremental value that makes Excel sheets 5% faster. We're this stepwise function in output where most of our customers who use our product. They'll typically end up doing about twice as many jobs in the same time that they used to do it by hand.
0: Sounds like a game changer for your market, honestly. So why now? Why is this work now as opposed to in the past or sometime in the future?
3: Sure. So I'd say one of the reasons is market readiness. In general, robotic applications have become more popularized, especially in cleaning. There are a lot of robotic floor scrubbers. So it's something that cleaning industries have become more comfortable with. Another big reason is just labor. It is so difficult to find people these days that want to do these, you know, dirty, dangerous, repetitive tasks like cleaning. And when you think about it from just a humanitarian element, what makes us distinctly human isn't our ability to do a physical task in a repetitive manner. It's our ability to be creative and a problem solve. So you see more and more people opting for that line of work versus you know, hanging off the side of a building with a squeegee, as an example.
0: Right. So kind of the intersection of uh, the progression of robotic technology and the danger of cleaning buildings.
3: (laughs) Exactly. And it's funny because we'll hear from a lot of customers, hey, I can't find anybody to apply for my job when I post a cleaning position, but I put up an ad for a drone pilot and I don't have enough hours in the day to get through all the resumes. (laughs) that's funny.
0: Okay. Tell us about fundraising. Like have you raised money and are you raising money and what, what is your expectations there?
3: Yeah. So for us, we're a robotics company. It's hard to do without raising capital. Uh, To date, we've raised just over $6 million. Uh, We are in the process of raising another round. And our goal here is we want to be a multi-billion dollar company and the robotics space is so large. There'll be a lot of billion dollar companies to be had. And our hope is to be the biggest and the best. And by doing it all with engineering, manufacturing, and supporting this type of technology domestically, which is fairly novel for our space.
0: Yeah, that's a that's a really cool, unique application uh, that you have there, Andrew. So congratulations on that. I wish I had more time to talk to you about it. But thank you for the six
3: minutes. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me on.
0: Venture in the South is brought to you by the Rolling South Fund, a rolling fund focused on Southern startups. The fund allows for quarterly investments with a minimum of just $5,000. For more information, visit rollingsouth.vc. Well, I know I was supposed to have two more companies to present. However, I wasn't able to corral them in time for this podcast. So we'll have to do without that and live with the three that we presented. But I hope that gives you a taste of the startups that one can find in the South and that we see regularly. I want to let you know that we're actively pursuing investment in a few of them and we'll likely consider some others, maybe one or two. But I have some questions for you that I'm hoping um, you'll give me some feedback on. And I want to hear from you about your thoughts on this. Um, One is, Would you like to hear more about our portfolio investments? So I've had some feedback from some listeners that that they want to, but I'm interested in more feedback on that. Is that really what you want to hear about? Or would you like to hear more about founders? We have uh, a number of investments, so we're on the range of 48 now. And we can talk to those founders and quiz them and do whatever we want. And so I'm just interested in your feedback on that. And then the third question is, would you like to hear more about the investors that we work with? We work with a lot of different investors, both in terms of co-investing and syndicating and things like that. So I'm interested to know what your thoughts are about those three things. I'm also interested in your feedback about some new offerings that we're considering for our fund that are for accredited investors. As you may know, we currently offer a quarterly rolling fund that's very low cost, offers great diversification, and is nearly 100% capital gains exclusion on the 1202 regulation. But that uh, appeals to a certain group of people. And so I'm interested to know what your interest might be in a conventional fund, which would be basically a 12-month raise and then 24 to 36-month deployment of funds this would offer investors the same low cost and diversification as well as tax advantages as the rolling fund, but would be just one fund for 10 to 15 startup investments. So perhaps a little less paperwork and perhaps simpler in terms of uh, taxes or managing uh, your investments. And we're also interested in your thoughts about an SPV offering. This would be a single-purpose vehicle for single investments that might be particularly attractive startups that we've encountered or perhaps follow-on investments that we've already invested in and now raising another round, and they're growing quickly, and so they're particularly attractive. This approach, the single SPV, would offer investors the same low cost and tax advantages, but would allow them to pick and choose among offerings on a monthly basis with a diligence score from us and a limited data room from each investment so you could learn some of the details. I'm interested in your thoughts about those two things. And uh, please email me your thoughts uh, or feedback to david at rollingsouth.vc. And I'd be happy to do a one-on-one Zoom meeting if you're interested in more discussion. Then finally, I want to make the case for investing with us based on our results. We have a show coming up that's dedicated to our eight-year investing results. So that will be coming out the week of Thanksgiving. So I hope you don't miss that. We'll go into great detail about our investing results and explain the metrics and how you can use those to compare us to other startup investment funds. But just to give you a preview and perhaps tickle your appetite a little bit, this is a summary of our results, which basically are our eight-year results through June of 22. For Venture South, all of their investments, so essentially as an index, Uh, they had 71 realized investment rounds, meaning they exited, either went bust or they had a profit for a total investment of 16.1 million. And their DPI was 1.8. So that means it returned 1.8X, the invested amount. And then their IRR was 21.5%. So that's the annual return on that investment. And then- Venture South has 196 active investment rounds that have not exited for a total investment of $60 million, and their RVPI there is 1.3. So that's the multiple of the valuation currently based on any up new rounds uh, or perhaps static. And so that number is, is not as great because some of these haven't had a second round, so they haven't been revalued. Or some of them haven't gotten close to an exit yet, and so they're likely to be revalued on an exit, but haven't been. So this is a, that's actually a competitive RVPI. So the the other thing I want to uh, relate to you is the investments that I have had in in my investing experience. So I have uh, nineteen realized investment rounds on a total of three hundred and forty thousand dollars. My DPI is one point nine four. So 1.94 times the invested amount, and my IRR is 35.8%. So that's the annual return. And that's that's better because it's, it's shorter. It's over about 2.8 years. And so those are rapid exits. And then I have 71 active investment rounds for a total of 2.32 million invested. My RVPI there is 1.29. So again, almost 1.3 times the invested amount on the current valuation, but they haven't exited those 71 rounds. So I hope that gives you a little idea of what you could what you could see working with us. These are really great results and we're confident that we'll continue. So I invite you to listen the week of Thanksgiving to, to get the complete rundown on these numbers and thank you for listening.
2: This podcast is supported by Venture Carolina, an educational nonprofit focused on angel investors and entrepreneurs. Our team is built from successful entrepreneurs, investors, venture capitalists, board members, and executives that want to give back.
0: Thank you for listening. Please consider subscribing and leaving us a review. Visit us at adventureinthesouth.com for a complete list of previous and future shows. Contact us if you have any comments or requests.